You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Rachel Johnson-Greer. Uh, Rachel, she's the founder and principal consultant at Cascadia Seller Solutions. And uh, she started Cascadia back in uh, 2015. And in, the, in those four years now, uh, she's helped over 700 Amazon sellers uh, in more than a dozen countries to solve their Amazon problems. And uh, she has a ton of experience on Amazon. Uh, she used to work there uh, as a consultant, of course, now as well, uh, and as an Amazon seller herself. The company's mission is to help brands um, gain visibility on Amazon, uh, acquire new customers on the channel, and increase the income from the Amazon channel, and also to teach the sellers or virtual assistants to do it for themselves. Um, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. I'm super happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, maybe just to get started, um, I mean, I, I already introduced you a bit, uh, but can you tell us a bit more about your background, where you come from in your career, so that uh, our listeners can understand a bit more about you and how, how, how did you get started in, in e-commerce and, and how did you end up uh, doing what you do right now? Yeah, absolutely. I started working at Amazon back in 2007. I had been traveling and working all over the world, um, taught English in Europe, um, did some work in Singapore, traveled in Southeast Asia, <laughs> and was like, it's time for me to go home. I grew yeah. up in this area and came back, and this was when Amazon was still quite a bit smaller. And the job that I applied for was actually um, a German-speaking role, because I had been teaching English in Austria. And everyone had told me when I got my master's degree in, in history, they were like, this is not a good use of your money. This is not a good use of your time. And then I got a job at Amazon <laughs> using mm -hmm. my German skills. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, and uh, after about eight years, I ended up leaving um, Amazon. And I did a ton of stuff while I was there working in the fraud department, answering law enforcement inquiries, mostly um, in the European platform the first couple of years, and then focusing on the North America platform. Um, for the last five years that I was there, and I did um, product compliance, um, did quality for private brands, worked on enabling um, new country launches, so working on uh, the Mexico country launch, India country launch, and then working on imports in various locations. And then my last job at Amazon was completely different, because why not? Uh, and I was working on AWS hardware for uh, website availability. So. I like doing lots of different things and, yeah. and learning different things, and <laughs> it was pretty quite exciting. Quite diverse, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, Amazon is one of those places where you know you're encouraged to do lots of things and move quickly, and and the culture of the company is is really fun for someone ha who has like an entrepreneurial background or entrepreneurial bent, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. So I definitely enjoyed that part of it, um, and I realized recently that. I've spent basically the last 12 years of my working life either working at or in some way connected to Amazon. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's quite a bit of time to dedicate to everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and how did you, why did you decide to leave Amazon then? You know, it got to where, um, it just got to be too much. Amazon really demands a lot from an employee. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I like to say is if I can't do it well, I don't want to do it. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I always try to do my best at whatever I'm doing. And I was realizing that I just couldn't keep up with the pace anymore um, in terms of my own dedication to it. And I feel like that's part of the reason why I decided to start my own business is because I needed to care. And I had gotten to the point where I just didn't care anymore. 
<laughs> I feel like a lot of us get to that point in our jobs yeah. or, or something else where you're just like, you know what, I just, I want to stop doing this for somebody else. In mm-hmm. 2014, I worked on a project that enabled over a billion dollars in sales at Amazon. And it was, it was one of those things where, you know, I was really proud and I thought I did a really good job. And then they were like, yeah, so we're going to hold off on promoting you. And it was like, you know, I'm tired of you guys being in charge of my future. I don't, mm. I don't want that anymore. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's when you, when you decided to, to venture out on your own and, and create yep. a consultancy, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I know it's a difficult question because there's probably a lot of factors to it, but what is the key to success on Amazon? So it's actually really simple in theory, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. so simple in, in execution, but in theory, uh-huh. it's very simple, which is basically traffic. So how many people are going to your page? Plus mm-hmm. conversion, which is how many mm-hmm. people are actually buying stuff on your page, right. um, minus defects. A lot of people forget about the defects. Um, mm-hmm. So you know your return rate or the number of customers who complain and so on um, mm-hmm. equals growth. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So you know you may you may think, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. And I, I saw people talking about, oh, what's my rank for these keywords? And all of that is great, but only as long as you're thinking about how is this going to help me increase traffic to my listing. How is it going to convince someone to buy and mm-hmm. convince the right person to buy? I think that's something that a lot of people miss too, is the idea that you actually want to turn off the wrong customer. Mm-hmm. The wrong customer will return the product and returns mm-hmm. are far more expensive than not buying, right? So if okay. you don't buy, you just lose the sale. But if you, if you have something that is a sale and then a return, you're paying outbound shipping, plus potentially the item is damaged. You could lose the cost of the item. So you want to not just convert everyone who comes mm-hmm. to your page. You want to convert only the ones who are like, yes, this is it. This is what I need. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I, I love this formula. I love it when something really complex gets uh, summarized in like a simple formula like this. I mean, everybody can wrap his head around traffic plus con- conversion minus defects equals growth. Um, but let, let, maybe let's let's break it down. Uh, it, uh, well, traffic. Um, yeah, how, how do you get traffic? So there's a few ways to get traffic on Amazon. The most obvious and easy one is to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, Amazon is, is really good at monetizing their stuff. And so the simplest way to get traffic, especially to something new, is to advertise. So mm-hmm. you can advertise automatically, which means Amazon chooses your keywords, or you can bid on specific keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of weird thing about bidding on specific keywords is that keyword has to be on your listing or part of the keyword has to be on your listing. So if you have a keyword that includes, um, you know, instruction manual, as an example, as long as manual or instruction is on your page, it should be able to run. But mm-hmm. if neither instruction nor manual are on your page, usually the ad won't run with that keyword. So it's kind okay. of an interesting thing that, that you need to have the content on the page or Amazon thinks that you're doing something weird <laughs> and it mm-hmm. won't run yeah. the ad. And mm-hmm. then once you actually get clicks from the ads, that's the point at which you are what's called indexed. So mm-hmm. on, on Google, if you're trying to index on Google, you can tell Google to index you or Google will do it automatically over a certain period of time. Um, Amazon doesn't really. If you don't mm-hmm. get clicks, if you don't get traffic, um, you don't get indexed at all. So generally okay. speaking, what we try to do with, with our clients is we just pay for mm-hmm. advertising for at least about a month after launch and try to get that traffic. You can mm-hmm. also get more rank and traffic by sending off Amazon traffic, like influencers or other things to launch products. And mm-hmm. then once you're starting to get clicks and you're starting to get traffic um, from those keywords, then you can start doing what's called ranking. 
And ranking okay. isn't just that you're, you can be found for that keyword, it's where you're found for that keyword. So mm -hmm. when you first start out, you might be on like page 10 or 20 <laughs> for a keyword, yeah. way in the back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then as you get more clicks and more sales and more traffic for your product, you'll move higher and higher and higher. And of course, the goal is to get to page one um, because mm -hmm. most customers don't keep going. I forget the exact numbers, but it's somewhere between half to uh, two thirds of customers don't go to page two. So it's a oh, huge wow. proportion of customers who don't even go to page two. And That's by page huge. four, you only have 10% of those original customers on page one left. Mm -hmm. So if your product is on page four for a particular product, you have only 10% chance of even getting an impression, much less mm -hmm. a click. That's why people are so obsessed with getting onto page one. Yeah. And, and how do you get on page one? So it's kind of an interesting thing. There's a few ways that you can do it um, in a cheaty way. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and the, the cheater way is basically to pay for it. So there are people mm -hmm. who will pay for clicks. Okay. Um, you know, when you have a particular URL, you can put the search information into the URL. Mm -hmm. um, so like if I were to search for a tea kettle, like plus tea kettle would be in the URL. So okay. you can actually trick Amazon into thinking that you had a particular search. And they'll mm -hmm. pay for people to like, click on that, and it'll artificially increase their rank um, okay. based on those clicks. So obviously, we don't recommend that. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, it's artificial, and so it's really easy for it to go away if you don't keep paying. So it's kind of mm -hmm. a you know not not a long term strategy, mm -hmm. um, but also it's not allowed. So if you ever get caught, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. So um, what we recommend is basically choosing which keywords make sense for you to go after. And it's mm -hmm. kind of a numbers game in a way. So if you are looking at something that has, say, 2 million searches in a month on .com, you know, there's plenty of things that are like 2 to 5 million searches in a month. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at like .co.uk or you're on Germany, um, a lot of times the searches are less. They're more like four or 500,000 in a lot of cases just because the, the platform is smaller. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're looking for is a space that isn't super crowded. When you're okay. looking at those top ones, it's very attractive to be like, I want to be the number one tea kettle. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if there's, you know, a million searches for tea kettles, it's almost impossible to compete on tea kettle. So what you want to do instead is find one of those searches that's a lot lower, like maybe 10,000 searches per month, maybe even less, and mm -hmm. try to get number one on one of these really, um, really wide open keywords. It's not got very many searches, but if you can get, say, you know, 10% of the searches out of 5,000 searches a month, then you're getting quite a lot of sales during that month. And so the right. way that we recommend that people do this is kind of a keyword bootstrap approach. You mm -hmm. find the lower, the lower hanging fruit and you get to them page number one on these ones that have a small number of searches. Then once mm -hmm. you get to page number one on that, you're getting some good sales. Then you can start bidding on the higher level and then you keep growing the product and trying to get onto page one for more and more keywords. And mm -hmm. that's how you end up getting more traffic over time. So I, I find that a lot of times people make the mistake of going for those top keywords right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a good that way of sense. spending all your money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's it, it's the same with SEO. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of people that um, just go after the, the highest volume uh, keywords, but that's that's going to be hard, and it's going to take a long time before you get there. And it's often uh, a lot smarter to go for decent volume keywords and, and, and try to rank for those. So I, I guess on Amazon or on Google, it's a pretty similar uh, philosophy behind, uh, yeah, behind it. They're both, yeah. they're both keyword search engines, right? So yeah. it's basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let, let's move on maybe to, to the conversion part. Um, 
what's important for uh, well, if you want to uh, an, an Amazon buyer to convert? Yeah, so it's just a few different things that go into the conversion formula. The mm -hmm. first one is um, have you convinced them that this is the right product? Mm -hmm. So whatever their problem is, whatever that problem in their life that they're facing that they need the product for. Um, and it could be something as simple as I'm feeling lousy today. I want to buy something cute to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like in a fashion sense or, you know, fashion jewelry or clothing or a handbag or shoes. Um, or it could be that it's a functional issue. It's fall and you're trying to get clothing for a family member or, um, you know, rain boots or something. Or it could be that they're trying to make a dinner and they're looking for a product. Whatever their problem is that they're trying to solve, you want mm -hmm. to explain to them that you solve that problem. And I think that... Um, that sounds really simple, but the execution is the hard part. And the mm -hmm. second thing is the price. So yeah. those two things are the most important. And then the mm -hmm. third one, which is really close behind, but not quite as important as the other two, is your shipping method. So okay. Amazon, especially in .com, they just rolled out one day prime, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is amazing. Like I can order it today. Like if I order it early enough in the morning, I will have products delivered by the evening where I live. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. It's That's so insane. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, when you're trying to compete with that on your own website, it's really hard. <laughs> They've gotten really Almost specific. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You may as well just not like. You may as well try to focus on having a better, you know, product experience because they're certainly not going to ship faster. So, in terms of the conversion part, where you're talking about like, is this the thing that will solve my problem plus the price? Mm -hmm. Lowest price is not necessarily the place that you want to go. It's okay. more for the price that you're offering it at do they feel comfortable with what you're asking? Is okay. that enough to solve the problem? We have products that we're working on with clients where, you know, it's 90, 100, $120 um, and people will buy it because the language around it is, oh, okay, this will solve my problem. I'm spending mm -hmm. more to achieve this goal. If you have a higher value product, you've got to put in all the buzzwords that explain why it's worth it. Otherwise they're going to go with the cheap item, you know? Yeah. So the that's that's like the price piece. I never say like you have to be the lowest price. You don't even have to be like the second lowest price or close to it. You want to make sure that the price matches the proposition you're making to the customer. And then right. for the proposition, I find that a lot of people make the mistake of describing their product. So mm -hmm. they, you know, do a great job of describing what the product is, they describe what it does, they describe how awesome it's been made and how much testing they did on it, and then they don't tell the person why it solves their problem. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that's really cool about um, doing product research on Amazon, whether you're doing it on one of the European marketplaces or you're using the dot-com marketplace for research, is you can figure out what customers are confused by, by right. using the Q&A. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen this on an Amazon page, but right between the description and the reviews, there's mm -hmm. a whole section of customer Q&A where yeah. they ask questions or they get answers to it and so on. So what mm -hmm. we actually do is we will actually go through a bunch of that Q&A, like, like through about you know, 30, 40 Q&A, sometimes mm -hmm. um, as much as that, sometimes a little bit less, depending on how repetitive it is. And we'll actually sort through how many questions and answers there are for different things, what specific um, words people are using, and we'll sort how many times certain things come up. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, will resort the bullets or will create the bullets in the order of what customers had questions on. So if right. it's something in say automotive, number one by far, what make and model does it fit? If you're mm -hmm. in automotive, your very first bullet should always be the make and model. Yeah. <laughs> the <item> fits, <laughs> always. And yeah. it's just, you know, watching what customers are confused about, you can see how people kind of miss the mark on what customers care about and why they care about it. 
And, you know, some of it is stuff that you're like, really, that's what customers care about? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they care about? Cool. That's where I'm going to put it because obviously they care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's actually yeah a, a great tip here. Um, you, I think in terms of the conversion, you mentioned earlier um, about turning off the wrong customer. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, how do you determine who that wrong customer is? And second of all, how do you turn them off? Yep, so it can be something as simple as you don't want someone who's looking for the Jeep 2004 to buy the Jeep 2009 product, right? Mm -hmm. So then you make it really obvious that it's for 2004. You mm -hmm. want the 2009 person to stay away, not, not not for you, go away. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one way to do it. So like, you know, what it fits with um, any kind of, of compatibility concerns. When you're thinking about say clothing, clothing is really obvious one because it has such high return rates. Mm -hmm. You want to do something that really makes it clear how it looks on a body. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do for apparel is we'll actually try to get models of different sizes and as many um, actual size models as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, you know, the five foot 11, I don't even know how that is in <laughs> centimeters, <laughs> um, but, you know, one of those really tall, thin models who make clothes look amazing, um, that's great. But most women are quite a few inches shorter than that and a little bit more round in places. And mm -hmm. so the clothes will look different on someone who looks different. And so what we try to do, especially in the bigger sizes, because every woman puts on weight in different spots as they get older, as they, they gain weight. Um, the, the shapes are different. So like at the, the waist, certain shapes are different or at the legs, certain shapes are different. So we try to have shorter women, taller women and bigger women, um, mm -hmm. modeling each of the clothes. And so someone can find someone that looks like them and say, Oh no, I would not look good in that. And then make them go away. Um, or someone's like, Oh, well, I'm short and this looks good on her. It's a little bit longer, but I think it looks nice. And then hopefully then they would buy it. So yeah. The idea being to give them enough information to where someone who maybe is on the fence is like, no, I just don't feel comfortable with that because you'd rather have that than have them buy it and then return it. You, yeah. you want to reduce returns if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And we worked on another situation with a client where the product, the, the folks kept complaining that it was the wrong size because they didn't realize it was for men's. It was a, a shoe accessory product. And we oh. have men like in the first six words, like it's, it's right there. It's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we even have pictures of men in all the pictures, like it's nowhere near yeah. anywhere. Um, and so people were just looking at the wrong sizing chart because women's sizes are different than men's sizes. I'm not mm -hmm. sure um, if that's the case in, in Europe. I never looked at the men's sizes in Europe. In US at least there's different sizes. Uh -huh. so the people were, were buying them for like women's sizes when they were actually sized on men's sizes. And mm -hmm. so what we did is we made a graphic and um, placed them next to like some very obvious like men's dress shoes, like, you know, one of those like, like nice Italian shoes kind of thing. And mm -hmm. they really made it in big letters, like men's dress sizes. <laughs> <laughs> and just tried to make it super, super obvious to try to reduce the um, number of people who were complaining that they were the wrong size because they thought it was women's. So that's yeah. what you're trying to, to repel is, you know, when, when it's the wrong customer, it's not even someone who's like, oh, you're a bad customer. I want you to go away. It's just that this yeah. is the wrong customer for that product. Right, right. So I guess that, that, that automatically leads us to, to the last part of the formula, the defects. That's one of the defects, right? If you, if you get too much returns because it's not the right match. And any other defects that you usually work on? 
reducing? Yeah, so so we see a lot of returns for wrong size. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's an obvious one. I think a lot of people are familiar with that particular concept. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the challenges of being in apparel or shoes. But it's not just that kind of defect. If you have a lot of returns outside of apparel or shoes, like in, in shoes and apparel, you're aiming for around 10 to 15% returns, which mm-hmm. sounds like a lot and it is kind of a lot, but you just have to, you have to build that into the rest of your pricing. So basically, mm-hmm. if you would have gotten a good um, margin at say 19 or $20, then you would want to sell it for 20 or 21 instead to cover yep. the 10 to 15% um, return rate. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about something in a different category, Amazon defaults, um, when we were working with vendors, they defaulted to 2% damage allowance. So okay. in hard lines, you kind of expect around 2% is pretty mm-hmm. typical. If you're yeah. over 2%, you need to do something about it. Obviously, there's something that's confusing uh, or something that's not working. And yeah. the biggest problem with defects is if it's over a certain amount on Amazon, at least, they'll turn off your listing. <laughs> Okay. So you spent all this time, you know, getting indexed, getting higher rank, and then now they turned it off and you start mm. losing rank. It basically starts free falling after two days. Mm. So you can't be down for more than two days without losing your rank. Yeah. So that's why defects are so important, um, because especially on Amazon, because once you lose your spot, it's just, um, it's absolutely terrible. You, mm. We had a client who got shut down for um, a return rate. And it was just because it was actually Amazon's fault. They had mislabeled the product when it came in. One of the first labels was apparently unreadable. And so Amazon re-stickered everything to make Mm -hmm. all the barcodes readable. And they put the wrong sticker on. And so the product that shipped out was actually not the correct product. And so customers started complaining because they were getting the round version and not the square version. And so actually um, the the listing that it was supposed to be sold through, so there was no stock because the replenishment went to the wrong listing. Mm-hmm. And then the listing that was not included in this at all had two products actually associated with it. And so it had to be shut down and everything removed and mm-hmm. sent back. So actually two listings basically went down for this mistake. Um, so, and it was just because they didn't double check that the barcode was readable before it shipped in. There's lots of little things that can cause defects on Amazon, um, and it's not just defects on your listing. Like if mm-hmm. you know you, you upload something incorrect, we had that happen where um, you know one of my team members uploaded something incorrect and broke a variation. Well, mm-hmm. now the listing is not you know searchable. Great, <laughs> and so that had to be fixed before anything could happen. You know, there's lots yeah. of little things that can go wrong. I think that's the part that a lot of people just you know end up either giving up or just like hating their life <laughs> when they work on Amazon because it's just such a big system and it's kind of complex, complicated. Yeah. And if you're not used to dealing with it, it can be just a real giant pain because it was, you know, it was built by engineers. And I find a lot of times I'll be like, okay, well, this makes the most sense and I'll tackle it that way and it works. And mm-hmm. I'll talk to the client about it and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would that work? And it's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, when you work with engineers long enough, you start thinking a little bit like them. Yeah, you know, there are lots <laughs> of like, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, on the front end, on Amazon.com and all of the websites, they actually have user experience, like demos with customers. They'll bring them into a lab. They'll watch where their eye goes. They'll, like, mm-hmm. figure out how does your mouth move when you do these things, and they'll change the website to reflect customer experience. Mm-hmm. My understanding is they don't have anything like that in Seller Central. <laughs> <laughs> there's no effort put into user experience at all. And so there's a lot of kind of weird random stuff that happens that's kind of hard to follow along with. 
And yeah. it's really frustrating to put all this time into having a great rank, great traffic, super high converting listing with great images and a video and great pricing and you're in FBA and then boom, something shuts it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that can be really frustrating. frustrating. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So uh, I I speak to a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs and and some of them are are hesitating if they should sell on Amazon or not because they think like, okay, um, Amazon will cannibalize my brand sales on my own site. Is that the case? What's your experience with that? Or can it be the other way around? Can Amazon even help build a brand? Yeah, so I actually am really um, positive on Amazon's ability to help build a brand. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain portion of the population that really likes buying things on Amazon, that, that, that they trust Amazon more than they trust websites, not because mm-hmm. they think Amazon is so great, but because Amazon has a really lax return policy. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to return things. It's really efficient to return things. So a lot of people will prefer to buy something on Amazon rather than on a website because they don't want to think about having to argue with the shop owner or try to figure out what this shop owner's return policy is. Like, I don't know. So mm-hmm. they'd, they'd rather just deal with Amazon. So that, that absolutely happens. We've had clients who launched on Amazon and a certain portion of their, their traffic on their website went to Amazon. And that mm-hmm. absolutely happens. What I think the Amazon channel is good for is basically net new customers. So mm-hmm. not necessarily the cannibalization customers because that, that will happen. You know, you'll have... Mm-hmm. I think the most that we saw with the client was around 40% of their customers went from their website to Amazon. Um, Their sales just kind of dropped significantly. Mm -hmm. And what we try to have happen for Amazon for customers is for for our clients and their customers is to provide inserts and information on the brand, um, cross-selling, upselling, basically putting stuff in the packaging to help them learn more about the brand. Now, what okay. you can't do is you can't explicitly invite them to your page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Um, yeah. You can't say, you can buy it cheaper at our website because that's considered diverting. And of course, Amazon gets mad about that. But yeah. if you're including cross-sells and upsells and saying, sign up here for our newsletter to learn more, you're not telling them to come to your website. You're not explicitly giving them a discount to leave Amazon. You're just telling them about new products. And if they happen to come to your website, it's awesome. But the mm-hmm. the number of new customers that you can reach on Amazon is just incredible. I don't yeah. remember how much it was at Christmas last year in the U.S., but I think it was somewhere close to 27 million customers in one day on oh, Amazon. Wow. Like it was just yeah. insane. It's absolutely yeah. insane. And while you know the U.K. and Germany are the biggest in Europe, um, they're they're gosh, I, between the two of them. You know, they're close to two thirds or, or 75% of the volume that hits .com. So mm. there's a ton of traffic that happens on Amazon and a lot of customers who otherwise would never see you. So mm-hmm. I, I personally really like using Amazon for that purpose, but you do have to have a strategy if you're trying to grow a brand off of Amazon. Um, yeah. I know a lot of folks who have done a great job on Amazon and are terrified because they never know if something might happen where if they change their bank account, now they've got to prove to Amazon that it's really them and they're down for a couple of weeks, how much that can impact their business. Or if, you know, a competitor tries to take in after them and, and uh, shut down one of their top listings, what's going to happen to their business. Like it's pretty scary if you don't have a solid off Amazon presence. But yeah. the reason they do it is because 
you know, Amazon's too big. <laughs> yeah. You can make a lot of money. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and if there's 27 million people uh, on there on one day and they're all in a buying uh, mindset, that's, yeah, that's not yes, too shabby. Absolutely. Yeah. So you already mentioned it. So there's sellers who also, who start maybe on Amazon and then later on, maybe they get a little, it, it gets scary and they start also building an online store uh, somewhere else, well, out of uh, the Amazon channel. Um, so basically, because you depend a lot on, on Amazon and, and yeah, you can, when they ch change the rules, it could be very hurtful for your business. Um, what, what, what is the likelihood that Amazon is going to shut off your account and, and yeah, they cannot really continue afterwards? Yeah, it depends on the reason they shut down your account. So mm -hmm. um, what we see most often in Europe is actually verification issues. So okay. verification is when they can't verify you're a real person in a real company. Mm -hmm. um, so something didn't match on your documentation. It's a really big problem where, you know, someone, especially um, for those who aren't uh, domiciled in one of the main countries, it's mm -hmm. really common for Eastern European companies, for American companies to then create companies in Europe or try to, to operate as a foreign entity. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult for Amazon to verify who they are. And if they can't verify who you are, they just won't let you sell. Um, okay. There's just too many um, rules around verification of identities. And a lot of it comes out of like money laundering and international terrorism and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that, that anyone who's selling on Amazon isn't violating any international laws or stuff like that. So okay. the number one thing that I've seen to where people just can't get back on is when they change their bank account or they change their credit card. And mm -hmm. the name on the credit card does not match the name on the account. So mm -hmm. what we found is that if your business license says LTD and no period and it's LTD in all caps, then you need to make sure that your bank account and your credit card are set up exactly like that. And if they're not, you've got mm -hmm. to call your bank and call your credit card before you update it on Amazon. Because they'll uh, often call. And if it doesn't yeah. match exactly, then they'll be like, mm -hmm. nope, no soup for you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So that that I think is the biggest thing that I've seen in Europe that's just yeah. so difficult to overcome because once you appeal twice and you mm -hmm. try to send in the updates and it still doesn't match, uh, they won't talk to you anymore. They assume mm -hmm. you're trying to trick them or lie or something. And so they just won't talk to you anymore. So you have mm -hmm. to get all your paperwork in order. And then the second thing I would say that people um, get worried about when things can get taken down without any kind of warning is um, when you have some sort of threat of counterfeit or fake items, mm -hmm. and it's hard to it's hard to fight against that if a customer is like, this looks fake or this looks unsafe. Um, you just need to make sure you've got all your paperwork in order. <clears throat> so I don't think there's anything really bad about that. You just need to prepare for it in advance. So we always make sure that for any of our clients who have, you know, ingestible or topical items or things that could expire in the FC or things that are like toys or for children. We make sure that we have a like pre-prepared appeal. <laughs> mm -hmm. We put everything together well in advance. We make sure that we have all the paperwork in one place. We make sure that we have it all written out. And then all that we've got to do is make any adjustments, whatever the complaint may have been. We just make a few adjustments and we can submit it to Amazon like the same day. So that okay. that's the the most important thing is it's not it's not that it's it's not that Amazon is is a black box. It's just that a lot of people don't know exactly what they're looking for. And right. they want to protect the customer and they want to protect themselves. So mm -hmm. that means they want to make sure that you're not fraudulent. They want to make sure that you're not some sort of, of you know, cheating money trafficker. <laughs> they want to make yeah. sure that, you know, you're not selling counterfeit goods or unsafe goods. They want to make sure that you're not selling expired products. 
there's always yeah. a reason behind what they're doing, but sometimes they're really bad at communicating that. Like it's mm. really hard for a seller to be like, oh, that's what you're concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> that part seems a little yeah. bit hard for some people. Um, but yeah. I certainly wouldn't say like, oh, Amazon's so scary, you shouldn't be on it. It's just that they tend to not have a sense of humor and because they're so big, they're not really worried about you. I have definitely gotten way better responses. Like um, I've I've had a, a dispute with PayPal a couple times with things and had to do verification through um, our payment processor. Uh-huh. And they are so much nicer. They actually answer emails. They explain what they need from you. <laughs> like they're really helpful. Whereas Amazon, it's just so big. They just send you like, go do these things. And if you don't do it exactly the way they need it to be done, they don't tell you what's missing. So I think yeah. that's the part that's really confusing is it's not as though it's different than any other company or, you know, there's, it's not as though there's like disputes that you have to handle or payment processors who need validation that you're a real business. Like I've had to deal with that with other companies. It's that Amazon's mm-hmm. like customer service, as far as that goes, is absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's the challenge. Yeah. So uh, a question I always love to ask, um, what's the biggest mistake you made on Amazon? I think the biggest mistake that I made on Amazon was assuming that things that I would want to buy were things that customers would also want to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my first, uh, my first product, I made a um, a food product, and mm-hmm. I made something that I wanted um, and couldn't find anywhere, and realized very quickly that the reason why I couldn't find it is because it didn't have a big market. <laughs> <laughs> a market of one. It was, a, it was a, yeah. I, we we sold we sold through both of the POs, but they sold uh-huh. quite a bit slower than I had expected. Um, and it was just a flavor issue. Like I didn't want to have another chocolate product on the market. And mm. I've since learned that you need to have chocolate. Like you just, you just, just, just bite the bullet, make yeah. a chocolate product if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> and then add the flavors that you like later, but everyone seems to like chocolate. So um, that was the kind of first and most important lesson that I learned, which is to do the customer research ahead of time. And it doesn't uh-huh. matter what you want. If your customers aren't as excited about it as you are, then it doesn't matter. Unless you're independently wealthy and you're not in it for the money, mm-hmm. then cool. Enjoy <laughs> making whatever you want. But <laughs> if you're actually trying to sell something, then you need to figure out what your customers want and then make sure that the customers are happy with what they're getting. Um, you know, the product, the reviews that we got was, oh, yeah, it works. It's exactly what it was supposed to do. It did exactly what it, it promised to do. I just don't like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I think that's excellent advice to to end this this interview with. Um, it, it's been absolutely great, and I, I learned a, a bunch, and we could probably go on for hours here, but uh, we're running out of time, and I just want to make sure that um, people know how they can find you and learn more about you um, and and connect with you. Um, where, yeah, where? What's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, so there are two ways. Um, the first is just to email directly. And our email is info at thinkcascadia.com. Um, so it's think and then Cascadia. Cascadia is where, we, where we're founded. Cascadia is the, the region around here, the Cascade Mountains. Um, and the second way is we do have a Facebook group. And I can provide that URL to you. But the Facebook group is the Former Amazonian's Guide to Design. And in that group, I do a weekly ask me anything. You can literally ask me anything. And if I don't know the answer, I'll go find it and come back to you. Um, usually I know the answer, but sometimes I don't. And I'll go, I'll go hunt it down and, and uh, give my response. And then we also do occasional um, free training and challenges in that group as well. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll uh, make sure to put uh, those links in the, in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Rachel. It's, it's been absolutely great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency slash webinar.